Well, good morning. For, uh, for those who are visiting this morning, I want to say a special welcome. And you have joined us on one of the most exciting Sundays for any church. In 2019, our lead pastor moved forward into a leadership role in the denomination. And our church has spent more than a year praying and working to identify the person whom God has been preparing to lead our staff team and to be our next lead pastor. In a moment, you will meet Pastor Jason Frizzell, and uh, following the service, we as a church will vote to affirm your board's identification of Pastor Jason as the person to lead our staff team and our church. Now, if you consider Sea Road your home church, following the make your way back out through these doors and around to the gymnasium doors. And there are ballots for members and separate ballots for people who are not members and for whom we are your home church. It is the members' ballots that form the official church vote. However, we want to hear from you and your voice matters. Now, I promised Pastor Jason that I wasn't going to stand up and chew up a bunch of his clock. And for that, you're all grateful, I'm sure. Now, at the meet and greet yesterday, many of you had a chance to meet Pastor Jason, his wife Bonnie, and their eldest daughter Sadie, who is up in core truth right now, so I can't embarrass her. But I will ask Bonnie if she would stand and as Pastor Jason makes his way to the platform to deliver this morning's message from God's Word, please join me in welcoming them to Centennial Road. Thanks, Kevin. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? How many are you, of you are enjoying the plus weather today? It's kind of nice. Friday when we flew in, it was a, a little bit brisk for you, but it felt just like home for us because that's what we're used to being from Red Deer, Central Alberta area. Um, that uh, photo that was on there, that, if you could put that back up, you're familiar with this. You, you probably have seen it a whole bunch of times. One of the questions we get asked a lot is, what is it like to parent five kids? That is a great question. I have an amazing teammate. My wife is awesome, so she makes everything easy. But I want to tell you a little bit of a story about one of our kids, Declan, the one that's standing in front of me in that photo. One of the best parts of being a parent of a lot of kids is there's a lot of parenting wins. A couple years ago when Declan started kindergarten, I was picking him up from school, and I was like, hey, buddy, how's your day? I'm looking at him through the rearview mirror, and he gets a smirk on his face. And he just looks back at me with this grin, and he's like, somebody's got a girlfriend, and it's me. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm like, this is a conversation I plan to have with him 10 years in the future. Not when he was five, when he was 15. So I went full tilt kind of investigator mode, and I was like, okay, tell me a little bit more. What's going on? Found out the girl's name was Heidi. They were playing some sort of game, and somehow she declared in that game that they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and he thought it was the best thing in the world. 
Bonnie and I continued to coach him through that evening and just talked about the realities of dating as a five-year-old. And he's got his whole life ahead of him. And he's going to have to make sure that he's okay with holding hands with a girl and all this stuff. And at the end of the evening, he was, he was kind of reassured that pursuing friendship at this stage in his life was the best thing possible moving forward. I came home from work the next day. Declan had gone to school, and I was anxious to find out what had happened with Heidi. And I said, hey, buddy, how did your day go? And he looks at me. He's like, well, Dad, Heidi has no love for me anymore. (laughs) That's a parenting win. It's a parenting win. We love having a big family. God has blessed us greatly, and we're so thankful to be here with you all this morning. For those of you we had a chance to meet yesterday, We say hi. If we get the wrong name, please give us some grace and patience in that. There's a lot of you, and there's a lot of kids, and so sometimes our brain doesn't work as as we would hope it does. Quick question. How many of you have ever felt jealous before? Show, Show of hands. Most of you. Some of you are like, that's not me, but maybe you have as well. Jealousy is this. Wanting something else that somebody has. And you're wanting it because you're insecure, you're afraid, you're envious. You desire what they are experiencing for yourself. This morning we're going to look at a story from scripture about jealousy. And we're going to talk about forgiveness and what it looks like. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to flip your way to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be reading the first 16 verses from that chapter. If you've got an app on your phone or a mobile device, just Click your way there, and if you're tuning in online and you don't have either one of those, open up a new web browser, BibleGateway.com, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16 is where we'll be reading, and of course, it'll be up on the screen as well. And just for your reference, I will be reading from the New Living Translation, starting in verse 1. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of the crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you. No matter how hard you work, 
From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Would you pause with me and join me for a word of prayer? Father, this morning, as we've read your, a story from your scripture, would you move in our hearts and our minds? Would you land in us the things that you want us to be aware of? Would you move in this place with freedom, with mercy and grace? Speak, Father, for we are listening. We pray this in your name. Amen. Pretty intense story of sibling rivalry gone wrong. Let's back up a little bit and get some context and understand a little bit more about what is going on and maybe why we got to this moment in time with these two brothers. They didn't grow up in a perfect world, but guess who did? Their parents. Their parents were Adam and Eve, the first two human beings that ever existed in this world. They were handcrafted by their creator. Adam was formed from the dust of the ground. Eve was formed out of the rib from Adam. And they were breathed into the breath of life. But somewhere along the line, they decided that God's design for life was less than what their thought, their hopes, their dreams were. And they deviated from God's purpose and plan. And that's when the world became broken. A relational tension existed between human beings, but also between humans and creation. They fast forward and they start having kids. They've got their first son named Cain. A little while later, they, they've got Abel together. And as they grew up, these two boys chose vocations. One became a shepherd, so somebody who worked with animals. The other became somebody that cultivated the ground, a farmer. Now, one could suggest that one of those vocations was a little bit more difficult than the other. Farming might have been slightly more difficult than being a shepherd. See, part of the, the brokenness that came into the world was that things like farming would be more difficult. It would be harder to develop and grow soil and fruit and produce and all that stuff in order to sustain life for yourself and for your family. In Genesis chapter 3, we're told that. In the scriptures, that's one of the realities that happened when imperfection or sin entered the world. So it could be fair to say that Cain had the more difficult task in terms of vocation than his brother. And it comes to harvest time. And harvest time is usually a time of celebration. And Cain brings some of his first fruits and offers it, offers it as a sacrifice, a sacrifice to God. And his brother brings one of his best firstborn lambs and does the same thing. And yet one offering is accepted and the other is rejected. Why? Why is that? Well, the hint and the clue is actually in the chapter previous to this one, Genesis chapter 3. See, when God created the world, it was perfect in all that he created. In fact, he says time and time again that it was good, it was good. And then he talks about human beings and he says, and they were very good. And things were exactly the way he had designed. And then brokenness enters the world. 
and everything falls apart. And because God is perfect and he wants to everything to function in the way that he designed his tenacity, his love, his desire to make everything whole again, to restore it to its original intent, motivates him to do something. He takes one of the things that he's created, an animal, and he kills it, spilling its lifeblood. He makes clothes for the humans. He allows them to clothe themselves, and he allows them to continue living even though, even though they deserved to die. And right in that moment, he creates this sacrificial system, a substitute, a life for a life, a sacrifice for sacrifice. Later on in the Bible, in the book of Leviticus, there's a verse that says life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Life represents blood. Blood represents life. And the spilling of blood was an atonement, a substitute for another person's life. And so the sacrificial system became a part of the regular routine of human beings. See, the boys would have seen their mom and dad do this on a regular basis, offering these sacrifices. Now, why would they have to do that time and time again? Because they kept doing the wrong thing. They kept doing stuff outside of God's design, outside of his plan, outside of his purpose. If you read through the entire Bible, you're going to come to this story of a man named Jesus who happens to be the son of God, who becomes the once and for all living sacrifice, spilling out all of his blood so you and I can live once and for all for anything we have done, are doing, and will do. But until then, they're in this process where they've got to offer sacrifices. So why was one accepted and one rejected? Well, one involved blood, the other did not. See, when God sets up a design, a way of living, he expects us as his creation to fall in line with that, to be a part of it. Not because he wants to control us, because it is the best version of life on the planet. Don't believe me? Try life according to his way. See if it's any better than life according to your own. I got to tell you, it's absolutely the best version of life on the planet. These two brothers are participating in this activity they would have seen their family do a number of times. One is accepted, one is rejected. And there's this conversation that happens because Cain is angry. He's frustrated. He's jealous that his brother Abel has the favor of God and he doesn't have that. He's mad. And God knows that because he knows everything. And he asks him a question, why are you so angry? If you would just do, if you just do what you know is right, you'll be accepted just like your brother. Here's the first big idea that I want us to land this morning. When left unchecked, jealousy leads to murder. When left unchecked, jealousy leads to murder. Now, this would have been a slow build over time. We just get this snapshot view of kind of their brotherly relationship. 
Maybe it just kind of affirmed all the lies that Cain had been telling himself that Abel is the favorite kid and he gets all the best stuff and he has the easiest job. We don't know. But what we do know is that his jealousy pushed him to the point where he took his brother's own life. Murder. You know what murder is? Murder is the intentional or unintentional removal of life from someone or something. Now, maybe you're here this morning going like, yeah, I get that. I am not a murderer. It's true. I have never taken the life of someone or something. But you know what I do sometimes? The way I use my words, I can sometimes intentionally or unintentionally remove life from another person or from myself. See, the truth is that our jealousy can cause us to kill, to murder, to remove life from somebody else in an intentional or unintentional way. Think about it for a minute. When you do something wrong, what's the narrative that plays out in your mind? Are there statements like, oh, well, you're not that anyway. You're not good enough. You're not this. You're not whatever. Do you tell yourself lies? You're killing life inside of you. What happens when you see somebody doing something that you wish that you could do? How do you talk about that, in per- that person, in person and behind their back? Do you speak words of life or do you speak something different? You'd be like, yeah, he's really good at that, but did you know where he's really bad? All of this stuff. See, the truth is, jealousy is one of the most powerful emotions that we as humans can ever experience. And if we allow it to fuel us, to inform the way we live, then it just might lead to murder. It just might lead to murder, just like it did with Cain. Because when left unchecked, jealousy can lead to murder. But the story doesn't end there. This murder happens. Brother takes the life of brother And God, who knows all, gives Cain an opportunity to own what he's done. He says to Cain, he's like, where's your brother? I don't know. He responds with denial. What do you mean you don't know? Where's your brother? Am I his guardian? Am I his keeper? He denies responsibility. God knows. And so he's like, no, I know what happened. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I know what's happened. I know what you've done. And Cain denies. What's interesting to me is I think, I think this was an opportunity that Cain had to pursue forgiveness. See, here's the cool thing about God. There is nothing that we can do that will make him love us any less Absolutely nothing. There's no sin that's too great. There's no bridge that's too far. There's nothing that we can do that will prevent him from loving us. He desires to forgive. He desires to make whole our relationship with him. That's what he wants. Cain has that opportunity and he just, he can't do it. Why? Because he's not honest. See, when we're honest, we can remember. We can remember that God wants to forgive us. 
When we're honest in our shortcomings, when we're honest in our celebrations, when we are honest, we can remember that forgiveness is available to us in all its forms, in all its ways, at all times. What is it like parenting five kids? Sometimes they think they've done something wrong that they won't be forgiven for. Man, if dad finds out about this, I'm going to be in trouble. So they try to hide it. And then when dad finds out, they're still in trouble. (laughs) If we're honest, when we fail, when we cry out to the creator of the universe, when we're honest about our brokenness, that's when he can put us back together. See, he doesn't force himself on us. He's not a God that wants to dictate to us. He is not a puppet master. God is a loving and generous God who wants to move in us freely by our invitation to do so. But when we're blinded by our jealousy, we forget to be honest and we forget that forgiveness is readily available for all of us even if we've never asked for it before. It's always available. As the story with with Cain starts to come to a close, you kind of see that this guy, this guy's made up his mind. He's moving in this direction. He thinks there's no way out. And so God curses him. He says, look, if you're going to do this, then we can't have relationships. It's not because I don't love you. It's because I'm perfect and I actually can't stay in your presence, in your imperfection. My justice demands that I do something about it. So if you're not going to let me do something for you, then you're going to have to suffer the consequences of your decision. There's nothing I can do. That's the way I'm wired. And so he curses him. He tells him he's going to wander Tells him that it's going to be really difficult, near impossible to to get the ground to produce fruit and food and all that stuff for him. His vocation, what he'd been known for, what he'd been trained in, is not going to work anymore. And Cain responds saying, that's too much. Somebody's going to find me one day and kill me. See, he doesn't want to suffer the same thing that he just did to his brother. He doesn't want that to be his story and how it plays out. And God, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, says, no, that's not going to happen. You're actually going to live your life and die. But nobody's going to kill you. Because if they do, then I'll inflict a sevenfold punishment on them. And he puts a mark on Cain to signify this is is a guy you don't want to mess with. You want to let him live to the fullest reality of the decisions that he chose to make. What's crazy is this. When we are forgiven, we can show mercy. That was an act of mercy. God could have snuffed him out like that. God could have tortured him. God could have just ended his life multiple times. He could have killed him, brought him back to life, killed him again, brought him back to life, killed him again for all eternity. He could have done whatever he wanted, and yet what does he do? Let's him live his life. 
lets him live his life, puts a mark on him and says, nobody touch him. Nobody touch him. Let him live his life. That's an act of mercy. Mercy is unmerited favor. It's when you receive something you do not deserve. God's own system that he put in place, the sacrificial system, demanded a life for a life. Cain took the life of his brother. That was a great sin. Some life need to replace that. Instead, God showed mercy, unmerited favor. See, when we don't allow jealousy to fuel us, when we remember we can be forgiven, we can act like God does in this story and we can actually show mercy to the people in our lives that don't deserve it. The people who aren't honest about what they've done to wrong us or wrong other people. The people who refuse to believe that God loves them, we can still show mercy. Imagine for a moment if there's a group of people who knew that they were forgiven and they were inspired to live mercifully wherever they went. Imagine what it would do to a community, to a family, when people received love and care when they didn't deserve it. What would happen? I think, that, I think people would take notice and be like, there is something weird going on here. In our world today, we expect an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We expect vengeance. We expect, hey, if I'm being caused pain, I'm going to inflict that pain back on you. The mirror effect. And yet, that's not what God designed life to be about. He shows us right here in, in a really dark story. What does he want from us? To be like him. To know that even when we feel like it's not fair, that God is fair and God is just. And he always does what is right. That we need to be forgiven so that we can show mercy. And I can't help but wonder how Brockville and the surrounding area might be different. If there's a group of men and women of all ages who embraced this philosophy of life and lived it to the full. Your workplace, your family, your friends, your neighborhood. How many more people would find out about who Jesus is if you chose to live like this? Maybe you're thinking, okay, that sounds great, that sounds awesome, but where do I begin? Let me give you these two questions as I close. They're this. Do I need to be forgiven? Maybe you're here this morning and you have never, ever had a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Well, today could be that day where you start. How do you start? You ask for forgiveness. Well, how do you do that? You say, I need to be forgiven. It's really that simple. Lord, would you forgive me? And as soon as you do, he's there and he desires to forgive you. Whether that's unconfessed sin in your life or you've never had a relationship with Jesus, he is there and he's ready to forgive. The second question is, 
do I need to forgive? Are there people in your world right now, maybe they've, their names or their faces have, have come to your heart and mind as I've been talking this morning and you've just been trying to push them down and push them away and say, not that person, they deserve my vengeance. And maybe, to, maybe today it's all about learning to forgive that person because forgiveness is freedom. When we're forgiven, we can live freely and show mercy wherever we go. That's the beautiful thing about God and his infinite wisdom and the way that he builds his family. Do you need to be forgiven or do you need to forgive?